You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,128, Identifying, Connecting, and Developing Purpose-Driven Business Leaders. That's the main purpose behind Small Giants Community. And by becoming a part of their community, you too can discover the possibilities within your company. I have the founder of the Small Giants Community here in our studio today, Paul Spiegelman. Paul, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Great to be with you, Richard. Let's uh, start simply. Can you share with our audience a little bit about your professional background? What did you do before you were the founder of Small Giants? Well, started way back uh, a long time ago when I started a business early in the uh, early 80s. And uh, I started a business with my two brothers that was essentially a call center, a mm. call center in the healthcare industry that contracted with hospitals all over the U.S. So in Orange County here, if you were to call Hogue Hospital looking for a doctor, you'd actually be talking to our company instead of calling into the hospital. Okay. And so hospitals would outsource this service to us. We were a 24-hour business from day one, so one of us had to sleep on a cot wow. uh, each night, did trading shifts, and, and just grew that business over the years and ultimately moved it to Texas uh, and sold it in uh, 2012 to a large public company. But my history really in business was almost 30 years in, in that business. Uh, and uh, How did you first get into that? What, uh, back me up a little yeah. bit. Let's, let's... Well, the, the, it really came, uh, we started in a little bit different business. We started in the medical alert business. So you can see those commercials, I fall and I can't get up. Well, that wasn't us. <laughs> uh, we never could sell to the public, but uh, our grandfather was in and out of the hospital with a heart, uh, oh. a heart uh, failure. My older brother was the technical genius who developed a system where he could press a button. And we had a speakerphone in a unit that we could put in his home. So if he fell, we could talk to him in his home. And so our first business was going out to homes of people with medical conditions and uh, installing these systems and monitoring it out of our little 8 by 10 room. Uh-huh. And that's how it all got started. And then, like many businesses, we listened to a customer, uh, a hospital customer, who said to us one day, hey, you guys are there 24-7. We have this service that we offer to the community called the Physician Referral Service. People call from the community looking for a doctor. What if you put in a phone line, answer it in the name of the hospital, and we'll give you our list of docs? Two weeks later... Uh, the business started. And that's, that's how long it, it took, yeah. two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then we we realized, wow, every hospital in the country has this service, and we were able to grow it from there. Wow. And why did you relocate to Texas, I heard you say? You yeah, well, we uh, we got hired by the nation's largest uh, hospital company. Still is. They're called HCA. But that back then, they were much bigger. They had 300 hospitals, and they looked for one company that could build a national call oh, center for goodness, them. Oh, my right? We get this contract, and uh, we could build it anywhere in the country. Right. We chose the Dallas area. We took a, what would have been a Walmart facility, gutted that, and built a beautiful 400-seat call center, operated it for, for them. I commuted back and forth from L.A. for seven years before I finally got married, wow. had our first child, and said, you know, let's give Texas a try. Okay. So we finally, uh, a couple years into it, bought this facility from that customer when their strategy changed, and we moved our operation there, hmm. and then really had a foundation to grow uh, in the Texas area, and it turned out to be a really good move. And then you had a successful exit? Is that what I heard you say? Yep, we had a successful exit. Uh, Not that I was ever really planning to it. I just wanted to build a great company. Sure. And then we never had any outside capital in the business. In the early days, we tried to get it, and nobody would give it to us. (laughs) Then, as many know, down the road when you have a little success, they're kind of throwing it at you. Right. And we chose to... uh, 
to just do our own thing. And, and that contributed a lot, I think, to the culture that we were able to build in our organization. But ultimately, we found a, a public company that uh, was in the healthcare space and uh, that we felt comfortable that the culture that we built would be able to survive. And I went on to work with them for about five ask, years. Yeah, did you stay on? I did, but I wasn't running my own company anymore. Over right. the years, my passion in business really became this idea of employee engagement and the relationship between culture and profitability. Wow. And I became an evangelist for that work. And so we grew our business to about 400 people, about $40 million in revenue. But they were a company that was a $3 billion company with 25,000 employees. And so I got to be chief culture officer of this large oh company for about five years and try to do on a much bigger stage what we had done on a small stage. And that was a great experience for me as well. Did you find it more difficult? Did you find it easier? I mean, because sometimes scale works against you in those yeah, kind of situations. Yeah, it was definitely challenging. I, I, in my heart, believe still that all the same things apply. That whether you're the CEO or your frontline worker in any company, any size, any industry, we all want three things. We want to feel that there's purpose, that we're here beyond the job. We want to feel appreciated and valued for the work we do. And we want to feel like there's an opportunity to learn and grow. And I found that to be consistent in the big company. The challenge is you've got 3,000 middle managers uh, who were all these great workers who you gave a new title but forgot to tell them what it meant to be a leader. Right. So to implement and scale these practices definitely comes with its challenges, but absolutely can be done, I believe. Uh, but it takes time. It definitely takes time. Yeah, I, I agree with you because I, I think the larger the company, the harder it is to maintain the culture because when a large company has a positive culture, I'm thinking Southwest and the history of Southwest. We revere right Herb Kelleher and his executive team for being able to manage to maintain that positive culture as they scaled to a large corporation from a smaller company. That's so right. It and it takes challenged. a leader like Herb to in it, to do that. We're all a reflection of our leader, and as much right. as we put systems in place, I mean, when Herb left, it, it hasn't been exactly the same. Uh, they try to maintain some of that. And in my case, this was a company that had been around for 20 years, 25 yeah. years. It's hard to move that boat. Right. Um, and again, it all does come down to leadership. So so let's talk. We're talking with Paul Spiegelman. And we're talking, I invited him specifically here because I, I discovered the small giants community and I was immediately uh, in love with the concept. So let's start with, um, you're the founder. What was the inspiration for starting this community? Well, about now 12 years ago, I read this book, uh, Small Giants, Companies That Choose to Be Great Instead of Big by Bo Burlingham, who I know has been a guest of yours a couple of times. He wrote this incredible book about 14 companies. Small could be anywhere uh, up to 300 million, um, but it, companies, some that we've heard of like Anchorstein Brewing or Cliff Bar, and uh, talked about what made these companies special. And, and they, what they had in common is they all wanted to grow, but they wanted to grow a certain way. They wanted to grow not just for growth's sake, but with purpose and lead a company with values and create great internal cultures and be very involved in the local community. And as I was reading these stories of these companies, I was totally inspired by that work and resonated with these stories. Sure. And at the time, back in 2007, I had just written my first book on culture, and I come upon this book. So I write a blind email to Bo, who didn't know me from anything, and I said, uh, you don't know me, but I just wrote this book. I was inspired by your work. Would you consider writing a forward for my book? Mm. And he did, just so gracious, and wrote a beautiful forward, and that started a friendship. And that friendship over the next couple of years resulted in a lot of conversations about the fact that there were many people beyond those that he talked about in the book that would resonate with this message of, 
uh, growing with purpose. And the fact is, that's who we want to learn from. We want to learn from other like-minded companies. Yes. You call it, so you kind of leverage the name Small Giants into a community. What, what type of business leaders join the community, and who are you looking to bring in to, to continue to scale it? Right. I think that, that if I look at the profile of a typical member of the Small Giants community, it's going to be a company probably from 2 to 30, 40 million in revenues. Uh, companies, again, that want to grow. Uh, we all want to grow. But uh, the common thread is this philosophy of how we do business and uh, where, where we're focused really on growing the business from the inside out, where mm. we put people and culture first. We think the driving indicator of success is not our financials that cause those decisions. It's our people. And if we create great cultures, that's going to generate not only employee loyalty, but customer loyalty. That customer loyalty is going to drive profitability into our business. And so it is hard. You can't buy a list of small giants, right? right? It's in right. our heart. Right. It's something that we have to find through relationships. But as I was growing my company, I felt like the mentors and people I wanted to learn from were people that had this sensibility. And so either we want to learn from people like that or we want to help teach others this particular way of doing business. So you think this can be taught and it is a transferable skill? I do. Okay. I think that it's much easier with someone that's wired that way. I kind of look at myself that in hindsight, I'm probably just wired this way. I never had run a business before I started mine, didn't go to business school. Um, but I learned early on the the impact that you could have as a leader, uh, the that you could have success and you could make a difference all at the same time. Mm. And that this really this leadership notion of command and control style leadership, which had been very successful yes. for many, many years, yes. is on the way out. Right. And we're still in the middle of that, that evolution. We've got years to go, but right. I'm really uh, encouraged by companies that are trying to make that transition over time. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time out of a busy schedule to be here in the studio in Southern California to share this message. Because one of the things that I believe as well is smaller companies have a real opportunity to really develop the culture because of what we talked about earlier, the scale. You, many times the leaders have a personal relationship with each and every employee. They maybe know their backstory, know their families. There's quite a way to differentiate their companies versus their larger competitors on that idea of employee engagement. Well, I think the point you're making is really important, which is that as smaller companies, if we can understand who we are, then let's sell who we are, not what we do. It's not about the product or service that we provide. It's about it's about who we are, and that's what differentiates us. We all want to buy from people we like and people we respect in this day and age. Anybody can say that they do what you do, or yes. they do it better, or they do it cheaper. None right. of us really want to compete on cost. I was in the call center business. You know, you think about low margins, low, you know, high attrition business, and uh, we said we're not going to run a business like that. We're going to run it based on value, and that's the opportunity. So this isn't just the right thing to do. It's also good for business. So we're going to take a quick break here, ladies and gentlemen, on the Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Paul, when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the type of activities that you do in the Small Giants community. Can we do that when we get back? You bet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back after this short word from me. Best-selling author Richard Ranzi's written what Marshall Goldsmith has called an incredibly poignant foray into the realm of unintended consequences of executives' decisions. In Killing Cats Leads to Rats, mitigating the unintended consequences of business decisions, 
Richard Franzi takes a close look at the impact of unintended consequences on business performance and employee engagement. Through the retelling of the experiences of executives at Pepsi, Wells Fargo, Kodak, Volkswagen, and many others, Richard paints a compelling real-world account for how executives leading firms of all sizes must do a better job of anticipating and controlling the outcomes of their strategic business decisions. Killing Cats Leads to Rats is available through major bookstores in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook formats. To learn more, visit www.richardfranzi.com. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. All of our shows can be heard anytime, ladies and gentlemen, on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEO have appeared on our show. Since we started this program in 2009, we've reached hundreds of thousands of listeners through the live stream here on octalkradio.net the various podcasts and other platforms that we use. Simply type in Critical Mass Radio Show into your favorite podcasting software, and you'll automatically be receiving our weekly shows with great guests like Paul Spiegelman, who is the founder of the Small Giants community. Before the break, I, I, I wanted to say I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what does it mean to be a member of this community, Paul? Well, there's several different ways to get involved. We have uh, our own website, uh, of course, smallgiants.org. Lots of great content around this theme of, of culture and community and purpose, values-driven business. Uh, we have our annual international conference, which for the last couple of years has been held in Detroit, which is really where the community is based. Wonderful resurgence of entrepreneurship going on in that city. Right. Uh, so Was that, that intentional? That, Not to interrupt you, but yeah. what, you're in Texas, and this is in Detroit. Was that intentional? To- no, it wasn't really intentional. It just turns out that uh, our executive director, Hemza, uh, lives there. Okay. And uh, But I had never been to Detroit until now about three years ago. And when I went and saw what was going on there, I just fell in love with the city. And so now it really is an example of what can be done from an entrepreneurial standpoint okay. in a city that has had a lot of trouble. So right. that's the big annual event. Uh, we have uh, peer groups. Uh, peer groups are done virtually where people can meet on a monthly basis. Uh, I think the program we're most excited about is what we call the Small Giants Leadership Academy. And this is where uh, entrepreneurs can sign on, particularly not just the owner, but the next generation leaders, Mm -hmm. those that we look at as succession. Uh, Because truly, if we're going to see these practices be institutionalized in our businesses, it can't just be the founder. We have to pass these things on. And so we have a one-year program, which is a certification program, that is a combination of live events, online, on-demand teaching uh, that people can go through and become certified as a small giants leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, uh, something that we've been doing for the last three years through a partnership with Forbes magazine is we recognize the top 25 small giants in the country. And we announced the winners at our Small Giants event in May. Okay. It's a really big deal. Hundreds of companies apply. And I would encourage your listeners who are thinking about this and going, wow, we do a lot of those things. We have a great company. Right. Apply. Um, you can get tremendous uh, uh, PR by becoming involved in that list and recognition. And, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs who say, yeah, my dream one day is to be in Forbes magazine. Yes. So, uh, so we've allowed a lot of companies to be able to do that uh, through this partnership. And it's, and it's generated tremendous pride for the companies that participate. So on our website or through Forbes, uh, you can apply to be on that list for the 2018-2019 program. Okay, so is the is it open now? I mean, Yeah, it okay. is open now. Yeah, if you go to the Small Giants website, you can click on the Forbes link. You can apply right now to be on the list for next time. Wow, that's awesome. It is it's important that the owner set the tone for the culture. 
but in my opinion, not be so selfish that they can't share the culture with their people. You know what I mean? Well, that's a great point, Richard. Everybody owns the culture. The leader definitely has to be involved, has to be genuinely sponsoring the work. But it does take a village. And I think that uh, in every company, if you looked around or simply asked the question, who'd like to help, you're going to get a lot of hands right. raised. Right. So in our company, whether it was my small company or even the, the public company, we had what we called culture ambassadors, people many times on the front line who really wanted to be involved. So committees and things like that. So it has to be owned top to bottom. But if the leader doesn't buy in, it's going to have a hard time of lasting. Right. And it doesn't matter. Um, delivering happiness, right? Tony Shea's yeah. book about Zappos. It doesn't matter what your culture is as long as it works for the leader and their people. That's right. Every company has a culture. Right. Uh, the first thing to do is to define it. And I think the biggest question I get from other entrepreneurs is, you know, this stuff really resonates. I get it. I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> Tell me how to practically do it day to day and where do I start? And that is, again, what the community is about, is very practical tips and tools because, uh, you know, who wouldn't want to lead or work at a place where people love what they do and create great right. business? But from a practical standpoint, we all aren't wired that way, weren't taught that way. We might have worked in big companies where that old command and control style leadership was taught and more effective. So uh, it's very, very much of a, of a work in progress for a lot of people. But if you just start and if you focus on that purpose, mission, vision, values, uh, you can get there. So I'd like to ask guests, uh, of all things you've learned, Paul, what's your guiding principle? You know, I think my, my, my guiding principle really is around uh, this philosophy we call the circle of growth, which simply says that uh, as leaders, we have choices for how we prioritize our work, how we prioritize our time. And if we can focus on our people and uh, create an environment in which they love what they do every day, they get up every morning and feel like I feel valued and appreciated for what I do, uh, we're going to create a gr not only a great workplace, but a successful and profitable one as well. So it seems very common sense, focus on your people first, but when you think about how much time as leaders we spend actually doing that and we're honest with ourselves, it's generally not enough. And that's what I would encourage uh, other leaders to, to do, is to just sort of look in the mirror, say, how am I spending my time, and try to make those kind of choices. If someone would like to learn more about Small Giants community, how do they do that? Just go to smallgiants.org. We are a, uh, an LC3 corporation, which many people probably haven't heard of, but it's kind of a hybrid for-profit, not-for-profit. And uh, we're there just to spread the word and to, uh, to identify, connect, and develop other values-driven leaders. Well, thanks for being a friend of the program, and welcome to the Critical Mass community. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.